0: These are my keys, can you move into the pew?
1: Really good job, speakers. Yeah. Good evening. We're glad that you've come to join and worship us to end our day as we have began it, worshiping our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Let's now stand together and join our voices as we sing grace alone.
2: Orphan lost at the fall Running away when I'd hear you call But Father you worked your will I had no righteousness of my own I had no right to draw near your throne But Father you loved me still And in love before you laid the world's foundation You predestined to adopt me as your own. You have raised me up so high above my station. I'm a child of God by grace and grace alone. You left your home to seek out the lost. You knew the great and terrible cost. But Jesus, your face was set. I worked my fingers down to the bone But nothing I did could ever atone But Jesus, You paid my debt By Your blood I have redemption and salvation Lord, You died that I might reap what You have sown If You have rose that I might be a new creation I am born again by grace and grace alone. I was in darkness all of my life. I never knew the day from the night. The spirit you made me see. I swore I knew the way on my own. Head full of rocks, a heart made of stone. The spirit you moved in as your touch my sleeping spirit was awakened on my darkened heart the light of christ has shown according into a kingdom that cannot be shaken Heaven heaven's sin by grace and grace alone so i'll stand in faith by grace and I will run the race by grace and grace alone I will slay my sin by grace and grace alone And I will reach the end by grace and grace alone
0: I said.
3: good to see you all back this evening. I trust you had a, a restful Sunday afternoon and that you had time just to break from your normal labors and rest in the finished work of Christ and celebrate his good gift of salvation. Our scripture reading tonight goes along with what Pastor Jordan will be preaching this evening. It's in Genesis chapter 12. If you could look there with me. Just at the first three verses. Here, early in the book of Genesis, we have God calling and setting apart Abram. And Abram is going to later have his name changed to Abraham, and he is going to be the set apart father of the Israelite nation. And the Israelites will then be the vessel through which God, centuries later, will bring forth the Messiah. But it all begins here with the call of Abram. Look there with me at Genesis 12, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. The call of Abram is part of God's purpose of redemption, his covenant of redemption unfolding in history. And it begins with this call to which Abram was obedient. He listened and heeded the call of God and obeyed and he went. And this fits right where we've been during this mini-series, brothers and sisters, as we've taken this month to to focus on the task of global missions and the glory of Christ in global missions. This fits right with where we have been, what we have been studying and understanding our role, our purpose in magnifying Christ through all the different avenues that he opens up to us. And so tonight we're just going to have three different prayers. We want to be mindful.
1: as we're going to hear our, our pastor bring us the word tonight on God's work alone in salvation, that's what we're about to sing about in Jesus' strong and kind and nothing that my hands can do. So I would probably urge you to please pay attention to not just to sing to God, but what we are actually singing. There are words that we sing actually matter to our God. So let's stand together and join our voices as we sing these two songs.
2: nothing that my hands can do to save my guilty soul I cannot cleanse my healthy stains or make my spirit But hide within his grace. Tis Christ who saved me from the depths, God's heart and I
0: received.
2: I was within his precious blood, my heart is free. A God of holiness Of justice, truth, and might Who guides me by his mighty hand To walk within his light While Satan leaves his shallow lies God speaks to me in love Reminding me only son has bought we with his blood. And Christ dispels my every doubt, through him I am redeemed. I love me, God, sin, love me first. Of leaning sigh A tear within the sea But you are everlasting, Lord And you predestined me To leave this fading world behind Not fearing death will come For then I'll look on Jesus Christ to his arms I'll ride and when I see him face to face what glory that will be to look upon my Savior's scars and know they were for me and when I see him face to face what glory
1: Father in heaven, Lord, we do rejoice in that, knowing that Christ's sacrifice was once and for all delivered to the saints. God, that we know, Lord, that when our Savior hung on that cross, he was not just making salvation possible, or that he was sealing it for his children. God, we thank you for that surety we have in Christ. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us to salvation, God, for we could have never come to you on our own. Lord, we thank you for that sovereign work that you have have done. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear, Lord, this sermon, Father, and that you would allow our brotherhood to preach faithfully. God, we pray you would bless these tithes and offerings, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.
4: Good evening. Please turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll be continuing our exposition through this epistle. We'll be particularly focusing on verse 10. Um, As I think about the subject that we're going to be discussing tonight, it's one of the ones that give me trepidation. So we're going to be talking about the doctrine of our particular call and particular election that God has placed upon our life. And I think back when I first started thinking about these doctrines and how they hit me for the first time, I did not like them. I hated them. But I've come to realize that these are some of the the greatest comforts in my life. These are some of the greatest joys in my life. Knowing that it's not by my hands that anyone is saved. It's not by my hands that I am saved. It's only by God's hands. Well if, well, if we'll start in verse five and we'll be reading through verse 11 with a particular focus on verse 10. It says this, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, God, that you are rich in mercy, that you have yet again gathered up people to hear your word. Father, we know that it is only by your spirit that we are moved towards you and towards obedience. And so tonight, if the spirit is working within us, allow us to leave here more obedient, Allow us to leave here rejoicing in the salvation that you have provided for us. and Father, if there is one that does not know you, allow them to hear the sweetness, the tenderness, the mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. Well, thus far in Second Peter, we've seen that God has granted us all things for life and godliness. He has given us graciously to those who love him and this comes through what we have obtained by faith we really have received by faith the spirit changes us works in us new life as a believer and what is produced in a man that has faith is now union with the most important thing you can ever be united to and that's jesus christ it's union with the beloved one the holy one of israel jesus we are now called into his great glory and excellence we are now partakers of his divine nature and we have escaped the corruption of this hostile world that is trying to trip us up at every turn and because of those things peter urges us now to be diligent to supplement faith with good works really a good character a, a right character, a Christ-like character. And tonight, we'll be looking at one of the most controversial doctrines in all of the Bible, and that is election. So I think it's important for us to define what calling and election are. Our confession here at Morning View says this about our calling. It says, in God's appointed time and acceptable time, he is pleased to call effectually lovingly by his word and spirit those he has predestined to life. He calls them out of their natural state of sin and death to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. He enlightens their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. He takes away their heart of stone and gives them a heart of flesh. We call this regeneration. He turns this sinful heart, this dead man, and then he graciously gives us really a heart that now has affections for Jesus. He renews their wills and by his almighty power turns them to good and effectually and most importantly draws them to Jesus Christ. So that's calling. This is election. And this is defined by R.C. Sproul. It's a lot shorter. He said, election is simply resting on God's sovereign decision to save whomever he is pleased to save. Now, there are a few temptations, and I realize this as we come to a a controversial doctrine. There's a few temptations as we broach subjects like this one. You may right now be thinking to yourself, all right, Jordan. The reason I'm here at Morningview is because I knew that Morningview did not shy away from hard doctrines, big doctrines. I'm here because I love the doctrine of election. Or maybe another temptation is oh no. Oh no. Here comes another pastor trying to convince me of God's particular love for an elect people. Or maybe you have the temptation like this. You know what, Jordan? I'm not that smart. (laughs) These are big doctrines. These are hard doctrines. Why are we teaching on such things? Well, friends, my hope every time I get behind the pulpit is to simply yet clearly and lovingly present the truths of God's word, no matter what they are, and let them rest on God's people. Let them rest on your hearts. Let them rest on your mind and then pray and you should pray pray fervently that God would move us toward obedience because of these great truths well that was the introduction I have three observations from this text from this verse that I hope will be truthful and that will encourage you tonight and I sort of got my inner Puritan this week And what I mean by that is my points are very long. I will be chastised tomorrow by Sean Merrithew for my points. You may not be able to write them down, but come to me. I'll give them to you afterwards. The first observation that I have from this text is that even though we are told to confirm our calling and election, that does not mean our actual calling and election is in limbo or in some way, depends on us. Let me explain. Our calling and election depends not on us. It never has. Our actual security, and that's an important word for tonight, our actual security in Christ depends not on you or what you do. And our actual eternal resting place, Jesus in heaven, heaven with Jesus, depends not on us. Whether you feel or think that you are saved actually is not the reality of whether you are saved or not. Do you get that? So often, that's good news, because so often I feel like I'm not saved. So often I feel like I'm not a part of the kingdom. My feelings are deceitful. Your feelings are deceitful. Creation, election, regeneration, faith, Perseverance, preservation, and eternity depend on God working, God keeping, and God bringing us home. And that's good news. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? Good. We often stop there. We often stop there. For those who are called according to his purpose. That's for those who it works out for good. It's those who are called according to the purpose of God. So if you have the Holy Spirit living within you, if you have the Holy Spirit residing in you, if it's convicting you of sin, if you're, it's drawing you out of sin and towards Christ, be thankful. This is great. You have a guarantor, a guarantee of the day of judgment. And that's the Holy Spirit. You can rely on the Spirit even now in the dark night of the soul. One of the most profound and quoted verses of all time, and this is one of my favorite. I quote it, I probably quote it every day to myself. Therefore, Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This verse speaks to the reality and truth of those who are in Christ. It does not say, and this is important when we talk about calling an election, it does not say there is no condemnation for those who feel like they're saved. It does not say that there is now no condemnation for those who have a life perfect, a perfect life. No, it says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. This verse does not speak to our emotions, to our feelings, or to our passing thoughts. I am secure. I am secure in Christ whether my parenting was subpar today, whether my lust got the best of me today, whether my desire for Christ actually increased or not, whether my loneliness, bitterness, jealousy, or anger seem to be overwhelming. My worst day and your worst day does not define you. My security in Christ is what defines me. And what better security is there to have? What better security is there to have than the one who came down, came down and secured for you your, your calling and election? You are just confirming it. You are just assuring yourself in your mind of it. Christ actually, actually secured your calling and your election. Lean on Him. Love Him. Trust in Him. If you'll turn to Luke 22. I'm going to get you to flip around a little bit tonight. Luke 22. I want you I want to really show you these astonishing words from Jesus to Peter in verse 31. And he's predicting Peter's denial. His denial. He says this in verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold Satan demanded that right there is how does satan demand anything from god satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat but i have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned again strengthen your brothers all right we're going to to take some thought on this the hope behind satan's request was to sift him like wheat in hopes that he would be chaff. He wanted to see if this sheep of God's fold was actually a goat. Satan has no superior knowledge of those who are elect, but he wants to destroy all. That's all he desires. But notice what Jesus says to Peter. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, at first glance, you would think that Jesus has no clue. No clue whether or not Peter is elect. No, no, no matter what Peter will do, if he f- will fail or not. But that's simply not the case. Whenever we don't understand something, this is a good hermeneutical rule. Whenever we don't understand a verse at first glance, guess what? Keep reading. Keep reading. We need to keep reading because not only does Jesus predict Peter's denial, what does he do? He predicts Peter's repentance. Notice Jesus says, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Jesus does not say if you return if Peter returns. Rather, he says, when Peter returns. In the midst of Peter's worst betrayal, the worst day of his life, Jesus is sure, he's certain, and steadfast of Peter's return. And he knows that because he has called and he has elected Peter. And if we're to look back at this verse, one of the sweetest pictures of God's grace is that our faith does not fail because Christ Is praying for us. Christ is praying for us. So not only did God call us, not only did God elect us out of bondage, he is keeping us right now through prayers, through the prayers of Jesus. Saints, you're pleading before God that your own salvation, your own assurance, your own perseverance is is important. You should pray for those things. Yet, it pales in comparison to the prayers of Christ. He prays perfectly for you. He loves perfectly for you. You may think that you care for yourself more than anyone else. But the very fact is, the one who created you, the one who knows everything about you, knows beginning and end, the one who has laid his very life down for you, is praying for you. He's the one praying for you. So when you think about your calling, When you think about confirming this calling and election, don't immediately think, oh, now I have to do something. It depends on me. No, Jesus has been working every step of the way. He's been working every step of the way. This brings me to my second observation. The calling and election of men into salvation is brought about by God, and it's for the glory of God. I wanted to take a side note to tell you about the glory of God in the calling of election, calling and election. At the end of Romans 11, the last verse in Romans 11, the apostle writes of God in this manner. He says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul had just wrote a dissertation on the doctrine of salvation. He gave a, a full discourse of what salvation is, Liter- literally from Romans 1.16 when he says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes." To the end of Romans eleven, Paul tells us why and how we are saved, from predestination to glorification. What is the purpose of our salvation? Why did God plan this whole thing out to redeem us? Why would he do this? So often I get the question, why would God allow sin? Why would God allow all of these things? The simplest answer is so that he gets glory. So that God may have glory forever and ever. We may even say that there is nothing more important in all of the. Universe than God bringing glory to himself to save sinners through the work of his son. There will never be a time, beloved, either on he- earth or in heaven when the believer will not cease, should not cease to give glory for the sovereign work of God through the saving work of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that God is a jealous God. He's jealous He is jealous for his own glory. He set his particular affection upon a people and called them out of bondage into a glorious service. He elected for himself from 1 Peter chapter 2. He says this, I have elected for myself a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for my own possession that I own. And why do you do that? So that you... And I might proclaim the excellencies, the glory, the majesty of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what we were talking about this morning. The reason why you evangelize is not because you're going to get the glory. The reason why you talk about Jesus is not because you're going to get glory. It's for the glory of God. Our calling an election are meant to bring him glory. Now I want to show you this more specifically from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 through 31. So if you can turn there, 1 Corinthians 1 26 through 31, and notice the words that Paul uses. For someone to, to really deny election or calling, it, it, seems, it seems impossible to me now that I know more about the Bible it's everywhere 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 he says this for consider your calling brothers not many of you were wise according to worldly standards not many were powerful not many were of noble birth but God not anyone else in this room but God chose what is foolish in this world to shame The wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast. We don't get glory. No human being gets glory, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, God, Christ Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Verse 31, so that as it is written, this is what happens, let no one who boasts, no one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Our calling and election are ultimately meant to bring our triune God, who has done all of the work for us, glory for all the things that he has done. It brings him glory and not us. A third observation, and the longest one. Sorry, this is the last one too. Third observation from our text is that even though my calling and election depend on God and it's for God's glory, Peter, in fact, shows us that we are now to be diligent to confirm or to assure ourselves of our calling and election. Peter has showed us really seven qualities of fruitfulness that we are to grow in. Those are virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. We aren't going to go back over all these qualities yet if we are growing in these qualities they are meant to help us be assured of our salvation. They are to help us confirm our calling and election. Let me be clear right now. This is a a time to really hone in. Security and assurance are friends. They're best of friends, but they are not the same thing. Assurance is something we desire, but we might not have. And security is something we have, we possess, but we might not know it. Let me say that again. Assurance is something that we desire, but we might not have. And security is something we have, we possess, but we might not know it. One might in fact be secure in Christ and have the Holy Spirit, yet because of indwelling sin, they may frequently doubt their salvation. Now, it's a terrible thing. A horrendous thing to say that doubts are good. I'd, I'd rather honestly be afflicted, be beaten, be tossed into a pit of snakes, be stabbed by every person in this room, than to doubt my God continually, than to doubt the goodness of God continually. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we must encourage one another out of doubt and not into doubt. We must encourage one another out of doubt and not into doubt. The Bible says to be diligent. To be diligent. It means to work hard, to be fervent in mind, to show yourself approved, an approved workman. The opposite of a diligent man is an idle man. It's a lazy man. It's a man who just speaks and never acts. You may be thinking... You know what, Jordan, I'm I'm not idle. I work hard every day. I go to work every day. I'm not idle. Yet your life may prove differently. Their sin has made them think that the whispers of Satan are true. Really, their sin surround them with a cloud of doubt. It's interesting to me how many men and women come here and sit and listen to sermons week in and week out. Yet they never do good. They are hesitant to talk about the things of the Lord. They are impatient with their spouse. Their phones really control them. They embrace pornography and fornication of all kinds. They spout off in anger. They have their Bible shut when they're at home. Their lack of prayer is evident, and they wonder, they wonder to themselves, why do I have all these doubts? In fact, they are not being discipled. They're not being discipled. They're not going to an older man and saying, hey, let's just read the Bible together. And they're not discipling anyone. They're not going to younger men and saying, hey, let's just read the Bible together. No. In fact, they would actually rather be idle in good works and have a continual forsaking of God's love and loving their neighbor than actually putting off the old man. Seems to me that there's more diligence in doubting God because of our sin that so easily entangles us rather than putting it off, rather than killing it, and rather than confirming our actual calling and election. Now, there Um, There's going to be a lot of law here, but there's grace coming, I promise. Now, there are some who never doubt God. There are some who never doubt God and have full assurance. Yet their lives really prove the opposite is true. Their consciences are seared. They believed when they were young, and they are banking on that prayer or that walk down the aisle to save them. Yet they have borne no fruit in their lives. Absolutely no fruit in their lives, no fruit that keeps with repentance. There's not a love for Christ and others because there really wasn't never a love for the Savior coming and saving them. There was more of a love for sin. They had never surrendered their lives to Christ, and they sure aren't surrendering surrendering their lives now. I want to say this. Yes, we are made right before God by faith, only by faith in Christ. But that faith, that faith leads. It leads to something. It leads to good works. It leads to fruitfulness. It leads to obedience. It has to. And don't you want to? Don't you want to obey? I mean, don't you desire to obey? The the perfect Son of God obeyed fully for you so that you might not have eternal death, eternal hell, He obeyed perfectly for you. Don't you want to obey him? Let's be effective. Let's be diligent. Friends, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says, examine yourselves. We're called to examine ourselves. We're called to confirm, to see whether or not you are in the faith, whether or not you know the gospel. Be diligent. Work hard. Know that you have been called and elected for a glorious purpose. Now, I want to interject and say that there are certain situations that happen in every person's life where we are placed really outside of our own control into a pit of despair. It can be because someone else sinned against us. It can be because of really uh, a death it can be a, a numerous, numerous things. It can be because you lost a loved one or it could be maybe you have a rebellious child and it causes you to doubt, it causes you to doubt God. I'm in this pit, God. Where are you? And you're looking all around the pit, but it's dark and you forget to look up. You forget to look at the sky. You forget to look at the sun. You forget that Christ is above. He's telling us, even though we are in the pit, even though we are cast down, we're still to be diligent. We're still to work hard. We're still to go forward. Remember, this letter was written to men and women who were under the evils of Nero. According to many scholars, there was a fire in 64 AD where Nero blamed the Christians. And what happened after that, many Christians were rounded up. They were killed. They were slaughtered. They weren't slaughtered in nice ways. They were slaughtered by bears and tigers. They were eaten. Yet Paul, yet Peter is speaking to these people and he says, be diligent to confirm your calling and election. Work hard even though you're in the pit. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, If you can memorize anything, I would encourage you to go memorize that. While talking about suffering, talking about the suffering that the called, the Christians are going through. He says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. They're suffering, they're dying, and he's saying, hey, it's all for the testing of your faith. It's all for the testing of your faith. Look up, look to Jesus. Family, let's strive together, even tonight, to make every effort no matter our situation, to put on the new man and crucify the old man, to lay our lives bare before a holy God and to say with a clear conscience, my life was bought with a price. And that price was the very own son of God. So my entire life, it's yours, God. It's yours. And family, if we do this with the power of the Holy Spirit and out of love for Christ, guess what will happen? Our fixed security, our fixed security will be married to our unyielding assurance. Hear the words of Paul in Second 2 Timothy 2.19. He says this, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal about you. The Lord knows those who are his. He knows those who are his and let everyone who bears the name of Christ, the Lord, depart from iniquity leave sin behind friends let's leave this world behind and run to the one who embraces us with the grace and kindness of our savior let me pray and then we'll go into communion father thank you so much thank you so much for this great doctrine i pray even now that you would fix our security our assurance on you that you would help us to love you to know you to live for your glory ultimately. In Jesus' name, amen. What a wonderful way to end the Lord's day. This meal is actually for those who have been called, those who have been elected, those who are trusting in Christ, those who are leaving their sin behind. And hey, you may have had a bad day. You may be living in your worst day, but repent now and joyfully come. This meal is meant for those who have been baptized, those who are repenting of their sins, those who are breaking uh, bread, praying with one another, those who are in fellowship. So we invite you to come. We invite you to the Lord's table tonight. Servants, will you come?
5: This and remember to me. the same man he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new coming in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it and remember to me. Let's pray with you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your gift of salvation. That was granted greatest.
1: Here. Praise God from
2: whom all blessings flow, praise Him, O creatures here below.